you've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. And welcome to the first episode of Listener Submitted Month. We're having a guest on every one of these episodes, and we couldn't do an episode without our good friend, the man who gave us our website, Stephen Bay. Thank you for having me on, the nicest man in podcasting, the gatekeeper <laughs> for, and the man that shocks me every time he makes a pick from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, who picked this movie we gave him a list of all the movies that were available for listeners submit at month steven said yo i gotta do rumpelstiltskin but I, I, this I is said, how i imagine it would be if you were in person you know instead of on the internet telling him like okay steven we have three movies that you can pick from the first one is rumpelstilt and he's like yes <laughs> <laughs> oh man come on it's a fairy tale it's a horror fairy tale i'm never gonna turn that down all right so before we dive in to the movie one of you picked it so let's see who and we've got an email from curtis and curtis says hey guys i've been listening to all of your episodes for a few months now i'm currently on episode 104 so i'm not sure if you still do listener submit it requests but if you do i'd love to hear you talk about a favorite from my childhood rumpelstiltskin from 1995 and then he sent us an imdb link just in case we thought it was a different rumpelstiltskin from 1995 <laughs> it's a great candidate for this show and i will even offer to be on this show so we can rip it apart together sorry curtis that's not happening but either way <laughs> either way i love the show and i hope you guys have a long and storied career thank you curtis and not thank you for this movie. Who here was the first time they've seen this movie? Oh, yeah, there's my. it was first off for me. Yeah, definitely for me, too. I missed this in the 90s. I saw this. I was going to say, I think we rented this. We rented this and Pinocchio's Revenge. Gee, man, yeah. your fucking words are coming in my mouth now. 
<laughs> right. I want to just pull a clip of Brian saying that I'm coming in his mouth right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so That's the different kind of brotherly love right there. <laughs> so, so I want to start before we dive into the movie with this one fact, because holy shit, this movie was made on a budget of three million dollars. Who wants to guess what the box office was for this movie? I'll say 150000 Yeah, I'll go with 200000 <laughs> Whatever its budget was, it made it back. If we're doing prices Right rules, then Steven wins this one. It for On its $3 million budget, it pulled in a whopping $306,494 in its box office run. Holy shit. Mm. I'm wondering if it was one of these, like, where they just stuck it in, like, 25 theaters, and they're like, oh, didn't make its money. Whoops. Yeah, I I don't know, because I feel like it also is so dumb that I don't think anyone's like, yeah, I'll check out that Rumpelstiltskin. It was produced and co-written by the original creators of Scooby-Doo, was another one of the facts that I found. That is an interesting fact. (laughs) Yeah, the other facts on IMDb are less interesting, such as when Rumpelstiltskin jumps through a window, it's shot in slow motion. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, IMDb. So what are uh, the brothers from Scooby-Doo just sitting down one day and they're like, you know, let's really just go off the deep end here <laughs> and write a, a movie about a killer fairy tale uh, guy. I don't know. How about we do a leprechaun? Nah, it's been done. Hmm. Okay, let's go to our second favorite, Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> And I love that they have a full-sized man as a short person in this, and they just have him hunch over as he hobbles along. All right, so the movie starts off in, like, what was it, 1500 or something like that? Mm -hmm. The old times. And Rumpelstiltskin eats somebody's eyeball. Then a witch tries to stop him, and he says the immortal line, you know, the one that everyone's quoting in the streets, your magic be black as pitch. Which, <laughs> uh, no, you missed the great line before that where he goes, come, bring the pain, which is like, <laughs> man, if I was, the, you know, I've been talking a lot about it these last six months or so, but if I do that Just Breakdowns cover up. <laughs> My favorite thing in this movie was whoever designed Rumpelstiltskin was like, you know, you remember Monty Python, the Holy Grail and the guy who protected the bridge? Can we just have him look like that guy for the entire movie? <laughs> Who's a terrible actor, too, by the way. And he half the time he's like, your magic be black as pitch. And then another time he's just like, how are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. They keep forgetting. Don't bust my ump, lady. I've waited too long. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's two things that really bother me. That ha- It's a trope in so many. I don't know why this movie brought it out of me. But there's two tropes in these type of movies that drive me crazy. One of them is like. Oh, I'm stuck in 300 years from now. So half the way I speak is I don't understand what a car is. And then the other one is like, ah, fucking suck my dick. You know? (laughs) (laughs) And then the other thing is just when you have something that's so dangerous, don't hide it in a thrift store. Why does everyone hide it in a thrift store? And, and then, she's also like, that's not for you. And then she's like, oh, how much? And she's and she's like, well, money's money. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 20 bucks is 20 bucks. Yeah. Steven, do you have any buyer's remorse for this being the one that you picked? Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's funny that you say buyer's remorse because he did. He bought it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, no, I actually traded for this. Uh, so I had two Uncle Sams, and I'm like, I contacted the guy, and he's like, "Well, I got the screener copy of Rumpelstiltskin," and I'm like, "I'll give you an Uncle Sam." <laughs> no, not Uncle Billy, Sam. Billy, 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 Billy. <laughs> that is so great. That is just two people. That is that is two Pokemon traders trading one Diglett for a Zubat card. Like neither have any value. <laughs> Oh, no. But I I do have to say, the witch, the witch irritated me just as much because I'm like, come on, lady. You just just take it out of her hands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So what's so here's something that like these two notes back to back happen so close to each other that I just put a slash. I didn't even start on a new line with this note, but it's I hate to say it, but I really dig the hand for the letter M in the logo of Rumpelstiltskin. Followed immediately by what the fuck is this rap song? Oh, I have a note that says Matt is loving this shitty early nineties rap. Dude, and then immediately no. after I said, Did this, this guy just rap rap I collect stamps? So there's a there's a line for me, and it's like, I'm fine if you've got cheesy white boy rap and it's supposed to be cheesy white boy rap. And I love like Tales from the Hood, where it's like legit gangster rap that fits the setting. But I do not like cheesy white boy rap posing as gangster rap so that we feel like we're in the city of Los Angeles circa 1995. That is where I draw a line, sir. Yeah, but think about all the money they saved when they just walked down to their mall and bought the CD from some guy outside. (laughs) (laughs) Hey man, five bucks. We were introduced to the Max Talks show, which is like basically- It's 90s Howard Stern on the set of Jerry Springer is like what this is being sold as. But like, Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where they linger on it so long. You're just like, well, I know that guy's going to become a character in this movie Mm because there's no other reason to give us three minutes of what an asshole he is on television. Uh, How how do we know if your boobs are real? Put them in my mouth. Or I don't yeah, know. Her, like, friend, her friend's all into it. Her friend's like, oh, he's hysterical. Yeah, Hildy sucks so much. Her friend is the worst. Her friend is showering compliments on this baby, and even the baby's face says that he wants nothing to do with this woman. I know. I just looked at her and I go, wait a minute. Is that the girl from Moonlighting? And I'm like, it yep. is. Yeah, what a slump. Yeah. I'm watching this at work and my mom walks in the vacuum and she's like, what are you watching with the woman from Moonlighting? And I'm like, I shouldn't be watching a horror movie for horror movie night where my mom immediately recognizes an actress from something like that is not what our show is about. (laughs) (laughs) But you got to admit that sweet blossom hat, that friend's vest. Ooh, she's hot. (laughs) Uh, She she might be one of the least attractive people that I've seen on the show recently. Um, body now, shaming that's what we do here <laughs> not body shaming at all I'm just saying she's unattractive I'm, yeah. just, I'm messing with you I'm jazzed personality wise she's just got the worst personality in horror movie night and she's got oh, she, she should yeah. be attracted to me because she's got a weird voice but it's just like not although I'll say that the the uh, what's her name Shelly Shell whatever the main the, the mom in it is uh, mm-hmm. she's kind of a milf man yeah she's a pretty attractive no, lady Absolutely. The special effects and makeup was done by Kevin Yeager, which if you look at any of the reviews is like one of the only things that they call out is like, well, you know, it's a piece of shit, but the makeup's not bad. And I kind of have to disagree. <laughs> I, I will. So Robert Zilskin's makeup is stupid as fuck. The whole character design is just very, very pedestrian, in my opinion. Like I, I they could have done so much 
more with it to make it interesting. Um, and he's, he, as a murderer, he's not very interesting. Like he, he snaps Hildy's neck and like he bites a cop on the neck and uh, you know, like it doesn't really do a whole lot of cool shit, but like I, I'll give them credit that when he's burnt and he rips the burnt skin off of his face, that was kind of sick. Uh, I would say the thing that he did that I liked the most was his self decapitation. Like, but that makes no sense. He's, oh, it makes why? absolutely no sense. But I was like, okay, I can see where there was some special effects budget yeah, for this. That's Kevin Yarger right yeah. there. <laughs> he, I mean, he loves to put severed heads in his movies. If you just go down a line of them. Wait, what else has he done? Uh, Phantom of the Opera. He's oh, done. The, the, Brian picked that. That's a great one. That's probably my best pick. But I mean, he's also done a lot of big movies, you know, like Starship Troopers. I mean, he's done. Oh, shit. Yeah. I just pulled up his list. His his list on Wikipedia is Eon Flux, Lemony Schnicket's Series of Unfortunate Events, Master of Disguise. Hell yeah. (laughs) Uh, Sleepy Hollow, Face Off. Oh, you get you have me Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, there's a lot of decapitations in that shit. (laughs) Bordello, Bordello of Blood. Uh, Hellraiser Bloodline. Yeah. Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde. Oh, that's uh, a that's a prospective future pick. I've always wanted to watch that. <laughs> uh, Children of the Corn 3, Urban Harvest. Fuck yeah, we just talked about that. Wait, what what was what was the name of it? Urban Harvest. <laughs> I said Urban. I don't, I, yeah, it sounded like you yeah. just described a lawyer. Like, Children <laughs> of the Corn 3, Urban Harvest. So we're still not done. Honey, I blew up the kid. The borrower. So again, loves what? decapitated heads. Dude is obs- he is more into decapitation and severed heads than I am in my horror movies, and that is saying a lot. Another future pick: Meet the Applegates, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Nightmare on Elm Street Four: The Dream Master, Child's nice. Play, Dream Warriors, Trick or Treat. Freddy's Revenge and his first movie was Friday the Thirteenth: The Final Chapter. Wow, that dude has some serious credentials. Oh but yeah, man. he's he's a master inside of this. Inside the VHS, the screener, they even like highlight special makeup effects created by Kevin Yager, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Child's Play, and Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, because he did the uh, the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so that that's where we could have not done the decapitation and put a little bit more money on <laughs> the special effects. No, Just in they, the sense they, that what Scott they, said is cool about him peeling off the burnt face but wouldn't it be cooler if that was like his face like it went to a more deformed face for the rest of the movie that's what i was hoping for but it didn't yeah yeah dude they only had one mass master mold that they weren't gonna like they weren't gonna redo it a second mask but the thing that they should have not spent their money on was all the goddamn explosions they had so many explosions but the funnier thing about all the car chases and stuff in this movie is that they (laughs) You know, they spent a lot of money on a lot of shit, right? Like $3 million is a pretty, but that, that are, they use an RC car for the part where Max Fuckass, whatever his name is, is using his like dune buggy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, well, there's a legit RC car in one of the effects. But like, I also think that like, this is one of those movies where like, you know that the budget was low, like $3 million's a lot for any of us, but it's really not a lot for like a movie. And you know, like the budget is low when one third of your movie just takes place on an empty abandoned road where it's just like, all right, mm-hmm. like we, we can't have pedestrians. We can't have we don't have money if a passerby walks by and we have to give the money for being in the film. Like it is just an isolated road for at least a third of this movie. Like there's moments where it's like, all right, that's not 
bad. Like, I think that, like, the statue moving and it's, like, clearly a puppet, it's a simple effect, but, like, it gets the job done of, like, oh, this thing's about to come alive. Brian, did you remember anything about this movie? Because I remembered literally one sequence. Well, I remembered one yeah, on the motorcycle. Too. I mean, it was the microcircle. Yep, motorcycle. Mm-hmm. See, so, because I, I only know that because I... This is Wizard Behind the Curtain and to Steven. Um, I was like, oh, Rumpelstiltskin, 1995. I think that I should pick that. And Brian and Matt were like, no, don't do that. The only thing that's worthwhile in it is uh, Rumpelstiltskin on a motorcycle. Um, and I think that he might have said bike because one of them might have said bike because I just imagined him on a tricycle. And I was like, yeah, that sounds really fucking stupid. But then it's actually so much better when <laughs> he's on it because he had some sort of line that he said. And it wasn't what he said, but rather the way he said it. And he has like these motorcycle shades on and it is just. Mwah. So I didn't remember the bike until it happened. The thing that I remembered was him behind the wheel of the 18 wheeler truck. Like that uh, shot of him just like. of Baker's <laughs> land of. Bread. Yeah. Well, so, you know, he's chasing down Shelly for the entire movie. And then Shelly runs into Max and is asking Max for help. And she's giving a lot of exposition at this point, but I'm unable to hear it because Max's shirt is screaming the entire time. Like, <laughs> oh, man, everything he wears, that screaming shirt. And then he puts on a USA jacket just in case he forgets what country he's in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's he's got the loudest clothing choice I've ever seen on a human being. It is insane, but it's also very 90s. It's very 1995, to be fair. But yeah, the go-kart, like the doom buggy stuff, like all of this movie is so pointless. It's so worthless. But what happens that I one of the notes I wrote down that like made me audibly chuckle. There's a scene right after he kills the cop by tearing his own head off and biting the guy in the neck where Max and Shelly are arguing in his truck and she punches him. And it is the most cartoonish ADR punch noise I've ever heard Mm -hmm. in a movie. Like, it's just like... (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is that this whole movie is so poorly ADR'd. Like, every single bit of it is ADR'd and it's all really poorly ADR'd. Yeah. Well, there's a scene at the end where the little Rumpelstiltskin's doing like a sorcerer's dance and everything. And his mouth's not even moving. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. There's a few times where he is closed mouth talking. (laughs) Drives me crazy. The other thing that really bothered me more than it should have uh, because of how ridiculous this movie is, is the scene in the police station. Has anyone here shot guns before, gone to a gun range, anything like that? Yes. Just a bit. They're very, very loud. For an, like we have high quality headphones and they're very, very loud. So to shoot a gun three feet from a baby uh, with uh, no yeah. ear protection just <laughs> bothered the hell out of me. That's it. That's, that's my only note. <laughs> Everyone just was Thank like, you Whoa. and good night. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was interesting how they completely changed the tone of the movie for a while inside the police station because Rumpel still it just turns into a slasher. He's like slowly getting up, he's stalking people. It's you know, it's no longer like he's doing his little gimmicks and everything. I was like, what for five minutes this just changed. And I don't like the way he articulates things either, because the baby's name is John. But it doesn't sound like he's saying, I just want the baby John. It just sounds like he sounds like Tom Green in Stealing Harvard. Like I I keep getting I got confused the whole movie because I thought he just kept calling everyone John the whole time. Like he's (laughs) he's like, I don't want to hurt you. I just want the baby, John. 
Just give me John. <laughs> Any other? Oh wait, no. There is one other lingering thought that I have. Anyone else get your lingering thoughts prepared? I love that this movie has the audacity to try to set up a sequel. Like, <laughs> so Scott, like, what was the last scene you saw? Because I'm so, still convinced that the trail, the commercial happened on Tubi, and you were like, "I've seen enough," and you didn't do what Brian and I did. Well, the last thing I saw was they they turn uh, Rumpelstiltskin back into the um, the statue, and then they throw it in a lake, and then it, you see some little girls running with it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Yeah, that's where I got the commercial. It came back three yeah. years later. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Dude, Tubi sucks. I'm just saying it. All you guys on our Facebook page worshiping Tubi because they have an extensive list of movies, but their commercials are the most obnoxiously placed commercials I've ever fucking seen in a movie. Like, I've watched movies on TV. There's always fade-out points where you can easily put a trailer or a commercial, but they put commercials like mid-sentence of fucking scenes. It's obnoxious. Yeah, it is. But at the same time, I am drinking a Truly and I just went to Burger King, so I feel great. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many Burger King commercials. I'm like, come on, guys. Let's, can we just mix these up a little bit? Wait, so uh, did you still watch it on Tubi even though you got it yeah. on a VHS? Mm, so it's an interesting thing with this screener copy. The screener copy is on extended play, which is, you know, what most companies do when they have like a really long movie and they got to shove it all in one tape. Well, this place who's sending all these free screener copies, they put it on extended play for like, I don't know, uh, what is this, a 90 minute movie? And then some trailers beforehand. It's so bad that 30 minutes in, I go, F this, I'm going to Tubi. (laughs) (laughs) Although I will say Tubi isn't half as bad as before Matt shoveled out the $8 a month for Hulu. And oh, dude. right before you- I moved to Florida, we binge watched Community, the first season of Community. And it had the same commercial for, I think, Target, where it was just the Footloose parody. But it would play that same recursal- commercial on repeat four times an episode throughout 10 episodes. And it was just like, I got to push back, cash back, check out my brand new slacks. And that's always been tattooed in my mind. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm glad I finally uh was like, you know what? Um I I can't remember what the breaking point was for me, but there was like I think it was I was about to binge like a 6 season show on Hulu and by like the third episode with four commercial breaks, I was like, all right, how much is it for the ad free? <laughs> it's like an extra 7 bucks. Fuck it. I can't do this anymore. I need these ads out of my life. That's what Megan did. Can you pay for QB or no? No. It so is just, why would you ads. want to? <laughs> I mean, listen, if they have most of the movies we watch and I don't have to watch ads, I would pay for it. Well, Scott, tell us what happened when you tried to download the movie for us. <laughs> oh, thank you for remembering. So I was like, oh, I don't want to watch this shit on Tubi if I don't have to. So I went to the R docs, you know, that's the Pirate Bay. Um <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. I was like grabbing a couple other things that I don't even think are on TV right now that we have coming up um, in the next couple months. I love how you word it. You're like, I was just grabbing a few other things. Like you were like at the grocery store. You're like, well, while I'm here, let me grab Rumpelstiltskin. You're not wrong. (laughs) But anyway, I I grab Rumpelstiltskin and it downloads and I'm like, all right, cool. And so I open it up. To, to check it before I send it to Brian, this is like a week ago, uh, 
five days, whatever. And it opens and, you know, the old guy who plays the chieftain in, in Willow? Yeah. He starts doing a voiceover. And I'm like, <laughs> that doesn't seem right. This seems vaguely familiar. And I know I've never seen Rumpelstiltskin before. I have seen a Rumpelstiltskin <laughs> from 1985 or 86 or whatever, which is a musical. And I uh, I had downloaded the wrong version. And so I after scrubbing through it for a little bit, I was like, yep. And it tossed it in the trash. I would have loved the scenario where Steven and I watched the actual horror movie and you and Brian just powered through the musical. Like, where's the horror? <laughs> When's the horror coming into this movie? <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> All right. So any final thoughts on Rumpelstiltskin? Uh, I have yeah. two notes. So why does he... Do what he's doing. I don't understand why he's trying to kidnap a baby the entire time. I mean, because I get that's that he what likes pain. In the fairy tale. But what is he doing with the baby? Is he like turning <laughs> he into sucks a out human? Their soul, and he gets to have that. He gets to be alive. I don't know. It, yeah, exactly. I assume it, the entire movie, I, I was like, wait, what? Just huh? What? What are we doing? I also don't understand why anyone would want to steal a baby. Especially someone who's so goddamn ugly that the baby would only cry the entire time. I think that's a 90s sitcom right there. It's a little Rumpelstiltskin <laughs> and a baby. Like it just yeah. it starts like Full House where they're in like a nice convertible. That would be actually an incredible sitcom where <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin successfully steals a baby and then realizes the financial burden that it is. And has to get a job and raise it. <laughs> you guys are literally just setting up for one of our future uh, HMN TV show episodes because that has to happen. Uh, Rumpelstiltskin's so got a cleaning problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I have two things I want to say. One of the, Both of them are from the Max Fuck-Ass guy. And the first time is him getting in his dune buggy, putting on these douche shades and going, Bruce Willis time. <laughs> Bruce Willis was mentioned twice in this. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, I don't think if he was like, I honestly don't think in 1995, Bruce Willis was a cultural zeitgeist, but I also don't know because I was fucking 13. So wait, so uh, wouldn't that have been a moonlighting reference? Yeah, that's where he made a start right before Die Hard. Well, let, let me use my cool word again, zeitgeist. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I would say that moonlighting is not a cultural zeitgeist in 1995 because if Bruce Willis made his start, got his start in it, and is now a super ultra mega star. Now, wasn't the fucking Fifth Element in 1997? Let me see what was 1995 for Bruce Willis's career. So 1994, he had just done Pulp Fiction, and then 95 was Die Hard with a Vengeance and 12 Monkeys. Yeah, he was like okay. on fire. Yeah, but then 1996, his he only has two movie credits. One is Last Man Standing, and the other is Beavis and Butthead Do America. Where he voiced the guy who stole their TV. That was his gap year. Then, yeah. but when did uh, Fifth Element come out? Ninety seven. Ninety seven. Then it was Fifth Element, Mercury Rising, Armageddon, Sixth Sense. Yeah, but that's what I feel like. You know, I feel like he kind of took that gap year because his it, it seemed like his star was dimming, and then bam, fucking Fifth Element, bam, fucking Armageddon. Yeah, I that's kind like of his career, though. I was going to say his whole career, as I'm looking at his film credits, like we'll say the post. So Die Hard was his first like film post Moonlighting. So that was 88. Okay. That was like, but then it was like, look who's talking. But like in between look who's talking is two movies I've never heard of. Then it was Die Hard and look who's talking too. 
and then uh, Bonfires of the Vanities, which bombed. Then two, Ugh. then a movie that I've never heard of. Then Hudson Hawk that also bombed. Oh yeah. Then another movie I've never heard of, and then the last Boy Scout, which I don't think did well. It didn't. And then he just had like a cameo in the player and was in Death Becomes Her. But I also think that neither one of those movies did particularly well. And then he played John McClane in the National Lampoon's movie Loaded Weapon 1. To be in a National Lampoon's movie, Loaded Weapon is not the worst one to be in by a long oh, shot. No, no. I Especially of the 90s National Lampoon's movie, you're Ooh. doing OK because you could yeah. have been in Senior Trip. He only did. It was only in it for like 30 seconds. It was just a oh, teeny, sure. tiny cameo. It was pretty funny, too. I'm sure he got paid well for that teeny time. I've actually, I don't think I've ever actually watched the Loaded Weapon movies. Oh, they're actually pretty good. I, I will is say. Is there more like, than one or is there just the one? Uh, I think there's just one. I think I'm getting confused with Hot Shots. But I, as far as I remember, I think there's only one Loaded Weapon. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. All right, so let's talk some double features, guys. Steven, you're our guest. What would be your double feature for Stiltskin? Well, at first I was going to go with another Mark Jones classic, Leprechaun. But I was like, Psh, that's that's simple stuff. We can't do that. <laughs> We're going to another Kevin Yarger, Yager. I don't know how you say his name, but he's a really good makeup guy. And I'm going to watch Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. When he does the makeup for uh, old man uh, Bill or old woman, you know, his grandma in it. Oh, yeah. that oh. creeped me out so yeah. much as a kid. And I love it. <laughs> so I have a question. Um, and I don't mean to offend anyone. We're all just like delusionally hopeful. Like we know Bill and Ted is going to be horrible, right? But like, yeah. we're just like okay, because the yeah, trailer yeah. is painful and everyone's like, this is going to be awesome. They got debt. And I'm like, this looks so fucking bad. I'm, I'm so bad. the only thing that gives me hope with the Bill and Ted three is that it's like all the like it's everybody from the first two movies like including the writers and directors like it is the giant family reunion so like i'm hoping that like it's one of those rare times where the trailer actually shows all the worst parts of the movie and then you see it and you're like oh thank god <laughs> but yeah. yeah no i i am my my expectations are painfully low nope i'm gonna walk right out of my living room no matter how bad it is and go that was the greatest thing i've ever seen <laughs> i'm just gonna pretend like i'm one of these people that no matter what their politician does i'm like nope great we're fixing everything <laughs> yep 
<laughs> even politics not right. aside, we, we had this conversation off air, but even politics not aside, I have so many friends that since college dropout and my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, like Kanye West released an EP of him like taking a dump for 30 minutes and they're just like, this guy is a god. He is a <laughs> I'm going to go with, I remember there was a very brief time where they were doing these fairy tale horror movies and I've never actually watched this movie, but I remember it getting way better reviews than Rumpelstiltskin, which isn't hard, admittedly. So I'm going to watch this with the other like horror fairy tale movie that I remember coming out around this time. And it's Snow White Tale of Terror starring Sigourney Weaver. Ooh, what? Yeah, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Might need to add that to the list. If Stephen Bay does not know what it is, then that is obscure as fuck. Even though Sigourney <laughs> Weaver was in it. Yeah, it holds a 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> And That's better Sigourney, than Rumpelstiltskin. Sigourney Weaver's critically acclaimed performance earned her an Emmy Award nomination as well as a Screen Actors nomination for Outstanding Lead Actress in a TV Movie. It also earned two Emmy nominations for Makeup and Costumes. So it was a TV movie, which probably uh, explains how they got yeah. bigger names. All right, so my my um, double feature is literally just me watching a bunch of Necrogoblicon music videos because... <laughs> <laughs> Because when I'm looking at Rumpelstiltskin, all I can see is John Goblicon. That might be my favorite double feature pick of all time. (laughs) Um, All right, Brian, what's your double feature? Okay, so I'm actually going to take a break off of horror today. Because the only thing, there's two reasons that this comes to mind. First thing is, the only thing I remember from this movie is Rumpelstiltskin on the motorcycle. The other thing is... Oh my god, I already know where you're going. Yeah, due, (laughs) due to not... Being able to go out too much, I spend a lot of time looking at memes. And this big, there's this big debate in the country right now of Remy from Ratatouille versus Stuart. You are absolutely going where I think you're going. You son of a bitch. They're trying to decide who who could take the other, and it's just you could tell it's it's the younger generation because they don't give any respect to my boy Ralph. In the hit movie Mouse on the Motorcycle, who literally <laughs> rode a motorcycle, um, so I would I would double I would double it up, get two motorcycles, two movies, one night, Rumpelstiltskin, Mouse on the Motorcycle, Ralph S. Mouse. God damn it! And uh, also, it's clearly Remy. But so, what <laughs> have y'all been watching that you want to give a hey? You should check this out. And Stephen, also just throwing this out there. Go check out Stephen's podcast, Analog Jones and the Temple of Film. And if you want to know more about that podcast, you better hit up our Patreon and check out our little interview that we're going to be doing with Stephen after the recording of this. Surprise, Stephen! Uh, but if you <laughs> want to take a couple seconds to tell people about Analog Jones Temple of Film and then use that to lead in to your uh, recent watched recommendation, go for it, my friend. Uh, yeah, we started a podcast basically to uh, <laughs> defend all these VHSs that we collect. So uh, <laughs> we uh, we put them in. We watch. Uh, we talk about the box art, the trailer, and behind the scenes. I mean, we get pretty nerdy. I mean, we'll even go as far to talk about production studios, distributors, and all this madness, and and especially the promos and stuff that we find on these tapes and. You know, we go out there, we go to these flea markets, well, not now, but usually we'd go to flea markets and find these weird ones, and we 
we try to watch them all and now we're we're kind of getting into franchise reviews so we're we're all over the place but uh yeah we so if you love stuff like rumple stiltskin here uh <laughs> maybe not the movie but at least this obscurity of the 90s then uh, you should come over and check us out <laughs> okay and then what have i been watching i don't know uh, a bunch of stuff that no one will know of <laughs> like i just put in and like uh ripped the have has anyone heard of this it's a uh unofficial sequel to pinocchio and it's Pinocchio and the Dark Sorceress, I think, is from Canada. I picked this up in the middle of nowhere. I never heard of it. And then, like, in the last week, I've seen, like, four different people post about it on the Internet. If you go to the Analog Jones um, YouTube page, you can find it. You can watch the entire movie. Uh, no one's taking that down. <laughs> so, I mean, there's stuff like that. And then I just, I, I mean, I do watch a lot of these really weird Canadian animations that I find at these stores because no one wants them. But I'm telling you, if you put them in, pure nightmares, just awful animation, like the stick figure ones where the mouths don't actually match the audio. That's the stuff you're going to get. You're going to hear about on Analog Jones. <laughs> Jesus. All right. So on our re-rental episode of Tourist Trap, I mentioned that I've been watching American Vandal. I've actually been watching a ton of TV shows during this whole quarantine. So there's a, a pretty big list. But I'm going to say the big one that I watched and I recommend everyone check it out because it's such a quick watch. It's only eight episodes. They're 22 minutes and you can knock it out in like three hours is Russian Doll. Have any of you watched Russian Doll? Nope. Mm -mm. All right. So Russian Doll was produced by Amy Poehler, and it's starring and written by Natasha Lyonne. And it's kind of Groundhog's Day-esque, but with way more of like a sci-fi lean to it. Um, it's basically Natasha Lyonne is at a party. She leaves the party, gets drunk fucks a dude and gets hit by a car and dies and then wakes up in the bathroom at the party and goes to the party and gets hit by a car and dies. And she realizes because she's a former video game designer that she may have accidentally entered herself into a video game and the bathroom at the party is the checkpoint and she needs to figure out how to get through the situation without dying to like get out of the video game scenario. But the longer that she's in it, reality starts to fall apart and fabricate because reality keeps repeating itself so much that like people are just disappearing out of existence and no one remembers them. So it's a really weird sci-fi twist with like a race against the clock type vibe. It has a very satisfying ending, which is nice because I watched the OA, which just got canceled before it ended and it led to a really trippy but also uh, unsatisfying ending because it's not the ending. But uh, <laughs> I highly, highly recommend Russian Doll for just like a quick like they I think they're doing another season, but it definitely feels like they wrote this knowing that that wasn't a guarantee, which is always I think the best way to write a season of TV is not being confident that you'll get to come back and do more so that there's actually some type of finality to your final episode. I'm actually going to piggyback off you uh, and go next because I also watched a Groundhog's Day-esque movie. Bill Murray's Groundhog's Day. Um, <laughs> no. uh, I, watched, uh, I watched Palm Springs on Hulu, and it's so fucking good. I was going to ask if, if it was good because I really want to – I want to watch Russian Dolly and I want to watch Palm Springs because they yeah. are both my shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, no. Palm Springs is really good even though it's not written by the guy uh, that did that did uh, Hot Rod and stuff like that. It's, it's their production company and like the best way 
that I can describe it. It's almost like the Lonely Islands role models. You know how role models is like definitely more mainstream, more of like a Judd Uptow vibe, but it's definitely got like the state humor sprinkled throughout it randomly. That's yeah. kind of how this is. Like it's Perfect. more of like a, a mainstream comedy, but it has some just ridiculous Lonely Island shit throughout it. And it's really fucking well done. It, it, it's really fucking funny. The storyline's good. I would suggest that. And it's like an hour and a half. You can't fucking beat that. And it's free if you have her. Uh, guys, mistakes <laughs> were made this week. <laughs> Let's hear it. Megan and I watched Grease 2. Oh, no. no. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, oh, you've never seen Grease 2? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, honey, we've been together for 11 years. And I've been putting it off for 11 years. Because uh, <laughs> she's seen it like once before. And uh, so she's like, we finally caved because I think it was on Hulu. It was some some streaming service that we pay for already. So it's not like I was, we were going out of our way, you know, to rent it on Prime for money or something like that. Goddamn. That shit was boring as fuck and so stupid. Um, and there are people who will ride or die that that is better than the original Grease, which is insanity to me. Yeah, I'm I don't even want to marry one better. <laughs> oh no! Well, there was a lot of opinions that happened at once. I, <laughs> uh, Sarah freaking loves that movie. We've even reviewed it on it. I mean, she knows all the songs. She will start if I brought her in here right now. She'd be like, "Oh yeah, I I will sing you. What what song do you want?" I mean, I would want Cool Rider personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I, I I don't I don't like it. So I'm with you. <laughs> it is really bad. Like it's just not. It just seems so. It just seems very uninspired. It's like they're. Going through the motions, yeah. <laughs> it is trying to reclaim that spark that Grease had, and and I'm not saying that Grease is a perfect movie or a perfect soundtrack or anything, but no, but it was, it's a it whole was, lot of fun. It and it only could have happened at the time that it happened. Like I think that Grease, if Grease the movie came out at the time in the '90s when everyone was nostalgic for Grease. I don't think it would have succeeded. Like it was very much like a seventies film looking back at the fifties, but if it was a nineties film that was looking back at the fifties, it wouldn't work. It had to have been that 20 year gap. It had to have been like those particular actors. It had to be those songs. Like it's, I, I think that there's but it, we even Grease two has the same fucking songwriter. But, but that's I what I don't it, understand. No, no. But here's the thing. It's the same thing as you, you know that. I mean, you as a musician should probably know this. The concept of like the sophomore slump is like you have your entire career to write your first album and you've got uh, about two years to write your second album. So it's like. Don't ask me that, though, because I write constantly and but you know, but you know what I've I mean? never like, had that issue because no one ever gives a shit about my music. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, that's like why there's such a thing as a sophomore slump is like, yeah. He wrote the music for Grease in Grease 2, but he probably took years writing the songs for Grease and perfecting them during multiple Broadway runs and like adjusting and tweaking everything. And then it's like, all right, you got two years to write a sequel. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm just going to shit out some tunes and come up with a plot line. Yeah. And it's also like way more overtly rapey than the uh, the first movie. I don't yeah. know. Like it just felt very, and I, I hated it. it it's, it's basically like, Rocky Horror Picture Show does Grease. It just really? felt very. I, I mean that that biology or whatever song is a straight like so. And and the bowling song, those two songs in particular are to me Rocky Horror Picture Show 
ripoff wannabes. I haven't seen it in so long. I just know that it almost killed me as a child. I like to I like to reenact scenes from movies. So the only thing that really stands out is me and my sisters, maybe Matt. So me and my sisters uh, watch, <laughs> watch Grease 2. Uh, and there was one scene that I was like, wow, that is awesome. So I went to John's Corner Deli and I bought a pack of candy cigarettes and I acted like the principal was coming. And then I put it oh, in my no. mouth and accidentally swallowed it like someone patted on the back. And then I had to choke until the chalk stick that I just put in my mouth slowly disintegrated. Dissolved. Oh, <laughs> God damn. That sounds like in the nineties thing to have happen, you know, or that been late nineties for you. Yeah. Yeah. Our family was the worst at playing fun games. I always will remember Julie doing, um, for, for my favorite episode, doing an episode on punky Brewster where punky gets stuck in the refrigerator and her sharing the story of when she got stuck in the refrigerator (laughs) at, at, uh, Best Buy because you and her were playing hide and seek. Dude, there is a time where you guys put me in one of the um, tubs like that that you keep clothes in. Those like big plastic tubs. A hamper, yeah, the hamper. No, no like the that like you put winter clothes in with the. Oh, oh yeah, you got you. yeah. Um, and I couldn't get out, and it in my mind it keeps me up at night because it's so much more dramatic than what actually happened. Like. <laughs> You guys couldn't get me out. You ran upstairs. You grabbed mom. She popped it open. But for some reason, my memory blends with the sixth sense when he when he gets locked in that little cupboard and the mom opens it and he like falls out lifelessly in her arms like that. <laughs> That's what it felt like in my memory. Uh, I think one time you hid in the did you hide in the washer one time? Hid in the washer. Loved hiding in tires at, at BJ. <laughs> I just liked hiding. And it wasn't as fun. It sounds so realistic, though. Like so true about you. Didn't we used to ride down the stairs in the laundry hamper? Yeah. Oh, sleds. Um, yeah. <laughs> like it's insane because like there is one way that we got stopped, and it was by the closet door. Um, and none <laughs> of us any real physical damage, uh, believe yeah. it or not. Oh yeah, that and like I think about it now, and I'm like, that is so dangerous because like we literally just sat in a hamper that had no lid to it and pushed each other down a flight of stairs where like it could very easily just like topple and flip and break someone's neck. We were just like, this is fun. It's not snowing, so we'll sled indoors down the stairs while mom and dad are at work. And Scott's been to our house. I don't know if Stephen Bay's been to my parents' house, but just so all the listeners know, they're not carpeted. Like these are wooden <laughs> stairs down to a wooden floor that we would sled down. Not that I think carpeting would help too much, but a little bit. I feel like it would help yeah. a little bit. It, it was at least a little bit safer when it was sleeping bags, where we would like lay inside of sleeping bags and push each other down the stairs. But yeah, no, we were we were idiots. All right, so Rumpelstiltskin, 1995. Guys, go check out Analog Jones and the Temple of Film, hosted by this week's guest, Stephen Bay. If you want to know a little bit more about Stephen Bay and the crazy ways that he operates, go to our Patreon page and check out our little, like, 5, 10, 15-minute conversation with Stephen Bay. And we'll be back next week with another one of your listener-submitted episodes. And I don't remember which one it is, but I've never seen either of them, so I can't give you a hint, even if I want it to. Thanks. Bye.
listening to the Geekscape Network. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.